We are into the new year, and for many of you, if the new year is anything like the past year, you might think there's not much to look forward to. But if you belong to Jesus, you're wrong on that note. Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. If you're looking for a place to give that is taking the gospel in direct and personal evangelism throughout the world, I'd ask you to consider Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more about how God is using us by going to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, or breadoflifeboise.org. What follows is a message built upon an outline provided by J. Sidlow Baxter in his wonderful daily devotional, Awake My Heart. The outline is his, but we get to fill in the blanks as we look forward to the year ahead of us. Well, you may have thought that you had a tough year in the last year. At least maybe you thought your year ended in a difficult way, but nobody had had a more difficult year than Noah. In fact, Noah had gone through the toughest year on record. It took a long time for Noah to build that ark, and once the ark was built, shortly after finishing its construction, he was floating on it on the waters of judgment that were swirling all around him. And in Genesis 8:5, the passage that we just read, Uh, where the tops of the mountains are seen. At that point in time, Noah has been in the ark for over eight months, and he'll remain in that ark for another four months. But on the first day of the tenth month, something wonderful took place. The Lord pulled back the waters, he folded back the clouds, and he gave Noah a visual sign of the promise for the future. There before him were the sun bathed, mountain peaks that were surrounding him in that place. All of us who have lived in Boise for some time have gone through a season of inversion. You know what those are like when the clouds come in and they sock in the valley here and it can last for a month and it can even last even longer than that. And you get up every day and there's just a low ceiling of clouds and all the cold air is being kept down in the valley. And if you're able to go up and you're able to get up into the mountains, you'll get above those clouds and it's actually warmer up above the, in the clouds and the mountain peaks than it is down in the valley. But you live in that situation. It's not a pleasant situation. It might be okay for a day or two, but when it goes on for weeks after week after week, it's a little exhausting. And then one morning you wake up and you look out and you you see the pristine mountains all around you. A wind has come through and blown back all those mountains. And you you just know that the week is on an upswing and that you've moved into a better time of year. And there's a a great experience and feeling you have with it. It's somewhat of the same experience we have when, when you've come through the winter and all of a sudden spring arrives and that sense that spring has brought back a new verdant life to the area in which you live and there's just a lilt in your voice and there's a there's a little bit of a pickup in your step and nothing like what Noah experienced on the day that he looked out and he saw the mountaintops all around him baking in the sun and gleaming in the bright sun and the waters receding when Noah and his family were floating aimlessly on that sea of desolation and upon those waters of wrath and judgment that God had poured out against a rebellious and violent world. They must have felt terribly alone and forsaken. Many individuals have foolishly said something like, children say this when they're angry at another sibling, I I wouldn't want to live with you if you were the last person on the face of the earth. Well, actually... Noah and his family were the last people on the face of the earth. 
And they remembered the mocking voices that had mocked them as they were building the ark and had chided them. What are you doing, Noah? What are you building? What are you trying to accomplish? And at this point in time, you might imagine that Noah would have been glad to hear those chiding voices still. But instead, everything's been silenced as they float along on the empty sounds of the sea and the waves pounding against their bark, their little ark. Little, little in light of all that was around them. And for us, we can go through our year and say, you know, it's been a difficult year. I don't know what last year was like for you. For some of you, you have a lot of fond memories and you've piled up some of the great experiences in life and there'll be one of the more memorable years. And, and for other years, it won't be the case. Sometime back, remember when Buckingham Palace burned down? Right after that took place, there were a number of other events that took place in the royal family and Queen Elizabeth spoke and she said that it had been an annus horribilis. It had been a horrible year, but she had to use Latin for it to describe how awful it was. And for some, that's the kind of year maybe you've gone through. Just the other day, I was speaking to my sister, and uh, she was recounting a number of the challenges that they'd faced in their home over the last number of months. And it had ended. Each, each challenge seemed to pass away with a greater challenge. And it come to the end of the year, and here they had all their family together, and they had all got COVID. And they were all miserably sick. And... Someone in the family obviously thought the wrong thought. What could be worse? And this is not a thought you should have because she called me just after, in the middle of the winter here, just this week, snow all around. Uh, their dog had been sprayed by a skunk in the backyard, but they didn't discover it until the dog came scudding through the whole house and buried himself in a portion of the home. And the house was now reeking with the smell of skunk and I think she texted me, Lydia texted me and said, you realize that we're in a pre-apocalypse, my home is now in the midst of the pre-apocalypse. Maybe that's what you thought your week was, your year was like, the pre-apocalypse. We began this last year on January 2nd by all getting COVID. And we ended this last year on December 26th by all getting COVID. In between that, I had hoped to be able to go and travel and continue the record that I'd had for 33 years of being able to go and carry out ministry in different places around the world, but I wasn't able to. We weren't able to travel this year for the first time, and I'm not trying to depress you. There are other individuals who experienced harder and more difficult things. We came to the end of this year, the pastors that we were working with in the Philippines and Cebu, they have typhoons that hit the Philippines on a regular basis. The people in Cebu, though, are comforted by the fact that the geography of their land makes it so that it's very, very, very rare for a typhoon to hit their island, but it did. And for the 10 pastors that we were working with, almost all of them had either their houses completely destroyed or significantly damaged. And that would be a difficult way to end the last year. Well, if I keep talking this way, I'll depress you. I'm not trying to do that. But if you... Think of some of the negative things. And by the way, there are a lot of wonderful and good things that we should give praise for for the last year as well. But if you, for a moment, if are in such a state to compile some of the negative things, you might be able to begin to appreciate just a little bit how Noah was feeling at the end of the time that he'd spent in the ark and in this time of great desolation and judgment that he rode through. And yet God had encouragement for Noah. And God had a word for Noah. I'm taking the message that I'm offering you this morning 
from a wonderful little book, the outline for it, from a wonderful little devotional book written by J. Sidlow Baxter called Awake My Heart. I think some of you have it, but if you don't, I encourage you to get it. It's one of the better devotionals out there. And January 1st, the very first devotional he offers, he takes it from this passage, and I'm going to just follow his outline, but of course he gives the outline and the words that he wants to share with us in a couple short paragraphs, and that wouldn't keep you here long enough, so I'm going to extend it out a little bit more and say a little bit more about that, but I want to give him credit for the things we're considering here. And the first thing I just want you to see here is in the middle of all this and at the end of this time of desolation that we're told in verse 1 of chapter 8 that God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. It's always important to know that even in times when God is pouring out his judgment and wrath that God does not forget his mercy and that God does not forget his people. In the midst of catastrophic events in your life, you must understand that God knows you, remembers you, has his eye upon you, is actually in the midst of all these things, planning that which is glorious and good and beneficial for you, those things which will enhance your capacity and ability to glorify him and honor him not only in this life, but to intensify the glory and honor that you can give to him for all eternity. In the moments when you feel adrift or you feel like you're cast off in an undinged ocean of disappointments and sorrows, in those moments in which the current seems to be carrying you away in the wrong direction, away from the things you'd planned for and hoped for, you just remember that God has his eye upon you and he remembers you and he considers you and he knows your condition and your circumstance and he cares for you and he has plans for you. Wonderful, wonderful, encouraging plans for you. And this is what we see revealed in verse 5. God gives Noah a sign of promise. It says, on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains are seen. J. Sidlow Baxter gives us this insight that the Hebrew calendar, if you put it up against the calendar in which we carry and conduct ourselves today, that Hebrew calendar, the first day of the 10th month, would actually correspond directly with the first day of the first month in our lives. It would be January 1st. And so what we have here is the first recorded New Year's Day in human history. And on that day, the tops of the mountains were seen. And so whatever your attitude towards the year that's gone past, whatever fears you've met and whatever hopes you had dashed, I want you to, with Noah for a moment to look up and see the mountaintops of promise on this day and understand that God is holding out before you benefit and blessing and God wants you to know what lies before you is the realization and the opportunity of great and glorious things. So let us let these mountaintops shine before you. I'm going to suggest to you five, maybe six, and all of them actually come from this devotional by Baxter. And the first one is this. There are the reassuring mountaintops of God's promises to us in Jesus Christ. There are the reassuring mountaintops of God's promises to us in Jesus Christ. When I was growing up in my home, it's still in my mother's house today, in the kitchen is a little plaque. Not some time ago, one of my sisters had replication of that plaque made for all of us. So that plaque now is in all of our homes. And it simply said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And in 2 Peter 1.4, 
Peter speaks of the exceedingly great and precious promises of God. Someone has added up the explicit promises of God in the Bible and declared to us that there are 3,000, over 3,300. And yet there are also many more implied promises. And there's the implication from God's word that we don't even know all the things that he's going to do for us and all the things that he's going to provide for us. God, though, explicitly says things like, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He also, in a word of promise, actually by implication says, I change not. And the implication of that is that everything that he's promised, everything that he's declared, everything he's vouched safe to us can never be taken away. It's anchored, it's carried forward in his own character, in his own nature. It's not only carried forward in the nature of God, but it's also brought to us and secured to us in the prevailing work of Jesus Christ in our behalf. So God not only gives us promises, and God not only anchors those promises in his own unchanging character, but then God also secures them to us in the provision of Jesus Christ. So 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, In Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen to his glory. Another way of saying that is this, if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, all that God has promised is positively yours. Yes and amen, so be it, without any debate whatsoever. Titus speaks of the hope of eternal life that God has promised to us. Titus says God has promised it to us, and and Titus identifies the God who's promised this to us. Eternal life. A God, he says, who cannot lie. Anchored, anchored in the character of God secured to us through the work of Jesus Christ and dying for us and redeeming us. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.